Voices of Simsis is the podcast of the Symbolic Systems Program at Stanford University. Each episode, you'll hear from a student, faculty, or alumnus related to symbolic systems, which is the interdisciplinary study of the relationship between minds, machines, and the world. Today's guest is Hope Schroeder, an alumna of Symbolic Systems and former advising fellow. In her interview with Dania Adib, Hope shares her story over the past four years at Stanford, discussing major declaration, study abroad, research, honors thesis, and postgraduate plans. I'm Jenny Z, an advising fellow of the Symbolic Systems Program, and this is Voices of Simsis. We can start at the beginning. Sure, yeah. So do you want to hear, like, how I ended up in Simsis? Yeah, like, were you always expecting to be involved with Simsis, or how did that come about? Sure. So I did come into Stanford having it kind of high up on my list Mm -hmm. of um, prospective majors. I wasn't, you know, I didn't immediately enroll in Simsis 1 freshman fall quarter or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but I did take a couple quarters to explore. But in the back of my mind, it did seem like the best fit Um, from the start and ever since I got into Stanford I'd kind of thought about it as a major and I took a year off before coming to Stanford Mm -hmm. and so I kind of had a little more time to think about it before Mm. I actually got here Um, and then by the time I got to Stanford I did take classes in a lot of other areas freshman year but I tried to take classes within the Simsis major that I knew would be good indicators of whether the major was right for me or not Mm -hmm. and kind of by process of elimination I um, realized that the major was going to be a good fit for me so Mm -hmm. freshman year I took um, 106A, um, Psych 50, Bio 150, Mm -hmm. Math 51 and those kind of didn't seem super related at the time but Mm -hmm. I knew that they were all classes I could count towards the Simsis major, and Mm. I started to be able to see common threads of how they were related kind of in the end. And because of my enjoyment of those classes Mm. and interest to keep pursuing those kinds of topics, Mm. I decided that um, Simsis was indeed the right major for me. So I took Simsis 1 sophomore fall along with like Mm. Ling 1, 106B, stuff like that. And that kind of sealed the deal. So I think I declared sophomore winter, which was later than I could have. But by freshman year, I guess, probably winter, when I started taking Simsis classes, I realized it was going to be the best fit for me. Mm. So what initially like excited you about the program? I wanted a major that could make me think about the how the world works from mm. a variety of different perspectives and I really like the way that we think about minds and machines and different mm. systems of formal reasoning mm-hmm. um, but I was also attracted to the fact that it was not just theoretical major and the study of like the theory behind you mm. know mm-hmm 
logic and computer science and linguistics, mm-hmm. but we are also able to actually get technical skills from that. So I really mm-hmm. liked the fact that it was a major that not only was going to let me explore theoretical concepts and philosophical quandaries, mm-hmm. um, but also was going to let me leave Stanford with technical mm-hmm. skills that I couldn't have even dreamed of before mm-hmm. coming to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you got to like you know gain technical skills, apply that in real world kind of issues, and kind of develop an area of interest. So um, what concentration did you see yourself kind of moving towards, and how did you come about deciding that? So it's funny, I actually kind of knew from the start that the chances were high that I'd make my own concentration. Mm -hmm. Um, I declared with HCI, Mm -hmm. but kind of knew that I was going to figure out a way to sew together my own Mm -hmm. (laughs) interesting concentration, which changed to various times as my interests have changed from Stanford, at Stanford, so... Mm -hmm. Um, I've done quite a bit of work in VR and AR mm-hmm. over the years, and after hearing David Chalmers' Distinguished mm-hmm. Speakers lecture, which mm-hmm. was about the virtual and the real, and maybe that was sophomore year, I don't remember, I think it was sophomore spring, or mm-hmm. spring of my sophomore year at least, mm-hmm. um, he was talking about virtual reality basically and like the philosophy behind it how do we distinguish like the virtual from the real so i left that thinking like okay maybe i i've been doing a lot of interesting work in vr maybe i can make a concentration that kind of lets us study um virtual work you know since this is a major about virtual world virtual minds Mm -hmm. and then why aren't we also studying virtual worlds as part of that kind of so the interplay Mm -hmm. of virtual worlds and virtual minds which was kind of what david chalmers talk got me thinking about Mm. um so i was gonna um submit something like that but then in the last year year and a half or so i started doing more natural language stuff Mm -hmm. and um language has also been an area of interest for me Um, I'm doing my thesis on some language-related stuff. I got really interested in natural language processing. Mm -hmm. And I had taken some random linguistics classes through my time at Stanford that Mm -hmm. I realized all really fit together in Mm -hmm. terms of what I was trying to learn in the last year or so of my time at Stanford. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up... feel it all coming together is probably really exciting. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So even though I think that my VR idea would have been really cool, Mm -hmm. I ended up uh, proposing a concentration called understanding language data. Hmm. So it was kind of a combination of the sociolinguistics classes that I had taken. So a very qualitative approach to language data mm-hmm. combined with, um, more computational approaches to mm-hmm. language data and then kind of topping it off with, um, a data science class. So how do we manipulate data in general, getting better at that, Um, and that's been my concentration now. So I actually proposed it kind of late, but, um, Chris Potts, who is a linguistics professor, Mm. became my advisor for that. Mm. And I'm just so happy with the way everything came together because I just, of course, love my concentration. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, you mentioned, like, David Thomas as being a big influence for you. Um, Chris Potts. Have been, have there been any other mentors that are kind of like people that have influenced your journey throughout SimSys? SimSys specifically or within Stanford in general? Mm, 
perhaps like within Stanford in general, yeah, we could extend it out. Or is it? Are there any like ten like tangential relations? I guess so. I think I feel like a big influence in like even my major as well as like my research direction has been the Clayman Institute for Gender Research. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I which, wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it doesn't. I think it's an interesting story because it doesn't initially look like it has much to do with Simsis, but I've kind of figured out a way for them to go together. So mm-hmm. before I started Stanford, I when I was taking time off, started working at the Clayman Institute for Gender Research, basically doing mm-hmm. linguistic analysis of performance evaluations at mm-hmm. a major tech company, which became like a language paper about gender bias in performance reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was always really interested in that. I stayed um, as a research assistant through the years, most quarters helping with stuff related to that for Clayman. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I started doing natural language stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I just started like junior winter with CS124, that was a year mm-hmm. ago now, I learned about that and I was like, wait, oh my gosh, there's so many more ways we could be analyzing these reviews and we could be learning about this language, um, linguistic information that we have access to. So I, um, so I've stayed kind of as a research assistant with them, but kind of feeling like I had a parallel life going with SimSys because mm. it's such a different thing. It's like much more theoretical and um, technical, obviously, than like mm. a sociology research institute. Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up proposing to Clayman that I do a thesis um, project using like computational linguistic techniques. Um, applied to a new company's performance language data. Mm. Um, so it was really fun to feel like I transitioned from doing like this very qualitative analysis mm-hmm. of the performance reviews to doing stuff that was more computational that would have only been possible through mm-hmm. the SimSys major. So that's kind of how I ended up bridging those interests. So mm-hmm. you asked about another influence. I feel like that mm-hmm. has been another big influence for me. Yeah. Awesome. And did that kind of like gear you towards any other line of research or... Um, you've done, are you doing an honors thesis right now? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So can you talk about like, yeah, how your research journey has been? Right. So my research journey started like about a year ago with that project because it was this time last year that I was in CS 124 mm-hmm. and I was like, wait, this could be a really cool project. Mm-hmm. Um, and CS 124 is natural language. Processing? Yeah. It's like okay. intro to natural language processing. Mm-hmm. I really recommend it yeah. if you um, are interested. And I ended up approaching Chris Potts, who was my semantics and pragmatics professor at the time, mm. um, which was another class I was in a year ago, um, saying, hey, I have this idea. Do you want to advise me? Oh. And he was kind enough to say yes. And so I, in the spring, took his natural language understanding class um, and then got a major grant to do research over the summer mm. um, on my honors uh, data. Unfortunately, I didn't have a full data set until like the very end of the summer, which kind of delayed my progress, but mm-hmm. I've been working on it through this year, and I think that I've started getting pretty interesting findings, which I'm now writing up, so Yay. stay tuned. Can, can you uh, speak a little bit onto like what that data was and what the, like, the topic of your research is? Yeah, so it's pretty similar to the work that I had been doing um, with Clayman, just like taking a pretty different approach to how to analyze the data. Oh, okay. So it's um, like a set of performance evaluations at a new tech company, or it's not a new tech company, but it's a new tech company that we're getting data from, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So looking at their performance reviews from two separate years, like two separate performance cycles and figuring out um, 
language patterns regarding gender bias in the reviews. Mm -hmm. So the paper that I originally worked on showed that, for example, um, women are much more likely to be described in their performance reviews with language that is um, about supporting and collaborating and being a team player, which is called communal language, Mm. and men are more likely to be described in their accomplishments using what's called agentic language. So he Mm. executed, he drove this, he finished that, he championed Mm. this, stuff like that. Mm. Um, And because our society values um, the agentic language more, Mm. that might have some impact on Mm. the way a reader might interpret the Mm. same kinds of um, accomplishments Mm -hmm. um, within a review. Mm -hmm. So my honors thesis data without divulging too much before it's finished, Mm -hmm. is along those lines. Cool. All right. And um, so I know you studied abroad. Um, Were you able to work on some of this research while you were there? Or how was your um, study abroad experience like? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. When I was planning to do... Okay, so I went to study abroad at Oxford. I think Mm -hmm. you know that, but I'll just say that again for the purposes of posterity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was planning to do an art history... Mm -hmm. um, tutorial Mm. because I really love art history Mm. but unfortunately the quarter before I was scheduled to go abroad I had a major health crisis and had to leave Mm. school Mm. so that kind of derailed my academic plans for a quarter which Mm. was kind of unfortunate Mm -hmm. and I was feeling a little because of that um, I had to just you know withdraw from all my classes I really I was kind of feeling behind in the Simsis major and I was like oh uh, like mm. I can't just be another quarter behind and not take any Simsis classes honestly mm. I probably could have made it work mm-hmm. but in that moment I was kind of like well I know that you know some Simsis people there are tons of Simsis people who do the Oxford program too mm-hmm. that's probably not news to you mm-hmm. um but I was thinking well you know maybe there's a way to get like a philosophy class out of the way mm-hmm. um as my tutorial while I'm at Oxford mm-hmm. um and I knew that some people had done things similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I ended up doing was taking an existential philosophy course um, mm-hmm. for my tutorial, which ended up being really fantastic. And of course, I wish I'd had time to also do art history, yeah. <laughs> but it ended up being a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. to take philosophy while I was there because I don't know if you were already feeling this um, now in your second quarter at Stanford, but like when you're here, so many of your so much of your time and attendance is just like spread over so many different things and you're Mm -hmm. taking you know three to five classes at once Mm -hmm. plus your activities plus your Mm -hmm. you know life and errands Mm -hmm. and health and friends and Mm -hmm. And sleep sometimes occasionally (laughs) right yeah so that can feel pretty overwhelming Mm -hmm. whereas like at oxford you're taking like two classes Mm -hmm. seven units of which are just for the tutorial Mm -hmm. and for philosophy especially i think it's like you get the most out of it if you're able to like dedicate a lot of time to just like thinking about it for long periods of time Mm -hmm. and at Stanford it's really hard for me to just put aside that time to do that whereas at Oxford like it was a good use of my time to spend like an entire day on two hard paragraphs of a Heidegger essay for example Mm -hmm. and that's something that I think I would not have been able to do if I had been doing philosophy at Stanford Mm -hmm. as as well maybe Mm Um, so I think that turned out to be a huge blessing in disguise, and mm. I was able to do my full like f- philosophical foundations level one course while I was at Oxford. So, mm. yeah, and then I liked it so much. I um, heard about the Oxford Internet Institute while I was there, and I applied for a master's. So I'm actually oh, going wow. there for a master's next year. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. Thanks. Yay. Oh, wow. So, I, and I feel like that ties in too because, as I was mm. saying, like with understanding language data as my concentration. 
I've been doing more like data related stuff in the last few months and currently I'm in data challenge lab which is an intense data-ish mm. boot camp <laughs> type mm. thing and so my master's next year will be and in... that's at here the data that's challenge here, yeah. lab. exactly okay. yeah and then so next year I will be doing um, a master's in social data science so I feel like it's a really interesting combination of like the technical skills and background that I'll have um, from SimSys but applying it to um, a social context at the mm. Internet Institute. So already being able to kind of like really like hone in and develop um, kind of like this niche of yours, which is like sociology, like text analysis. And then you also mentioned the arts, uh, right? So you um, were considering the art history um, tutorial, but then you were also involved in like the Brown... Uh, magic grant right yeah. exactly yeah so art has kind of um I didn't end up getting an art history minor kind of ran out of time for that oh. but I really love art as well and that's kind of been something that has been another tangent during my time at Stanford so mm-hmm. um two summers ago I did or I got a grant to do a VR journalism project mm-hmm. um about the art on the Belfast Peace Walls, Berlin Wall, and U.S.-Mexico border walls. So mm. I went to those three places and took 360 like VR footage of each place, mm. did a bunch of interviews, and made a project out of that. Mm. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of like an intersection of like art and public space as well as like emerging technology. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've actually done more projects like that. So... Currently, my magic grant, which again, for the record, um, the magic grant program is a source of funding from the Brown Institute for Media Innovation. So Mm -hmm. it's a joint venture between Columbia Journalism School and Stanford Engineering School that funds Mm -hmm. media innovation projects. Mm -hmm. So I'm part of Rabbit Hole VR, which is Stanford's VR and AR community. Mm -hmm. And I teamed up with some people from there to propose a project using augmented reality to Um, probe the question of the Confederate monuments in public space in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm. Um, So that's kind of another project that's like emerging technology plus art slash public space all kind of coming together. Mm. Um, And so we're actually working on a local version regarding the Brock Turner um, assault Mm. um, contemplative garden that was made um, to remember the site Mm. um, after uh, like last year. So we're working on a local version that is um, located there as well. So mm. that's kind of been a separate thread. It, it, you know, of course it has something to do with SimSys in terms of using emerging technologies and how we think about mm-hmm. um, emerging systems affecting the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of been another thread. So the intersection mm. of like VR and AR immersive um, emerging technologies plus art and public space. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, so as we wrap up, it seems like, you know, you've taken full advantage of your time here. Um, what's something that you would advise to like a, like a past version of yourself? One that like may have like, I don't know what I'm doing. Cause we've all been there, right? Like I wanted, like, it seems like, you know, you want the world and you're on your way to getting it, but perhaps like, what would you advise to somebody who's still figuring it out? Perhaps. Somebody like in general or somebody like who a, is considering SimSys? Or... Yeah, like a student here considering SimSys. Um, let's see. Or like you when you were just considering SimSys. For myself, I think I made the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think in general at Stanford, there's there are a lot of expectations about like how your time's going to go. So Mm -hmm. I think there's kind of 
the extreme expectation that like your freshman year is going to be the best year of your life and like Mm -hmm. everything's going to be so fun and especially Mm -hmm. if you're in an all freshman dorm that's kind of the dream or whatever yeah the vibe um yeah and like whereas for me I feel like my time at Stanford has steadily gotten better and better over Mm -hmm. the time Mm -hmm. that I've been here and so I would say to myself like you know Freshman year doesn't have to be the best year ever. Sophomore year doesn't have to be the best, be the best year ever. But if you, like, trust the process, honestly, mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. keep doing the things that you're interested in and pursuing the things that you actually want to do, things will get better and better, and you'll end up, like, with some really, really amazing results and experiences and friendships um, by the end.